then you begin to notice you can see behind the curtain. And when that begins to happen, you're kind of noticing, hmm, this isn't quite what I thought it was in the beginning. And you're evaluating, am I in alignment with the senior pastor, with what he sees as the vision of this church and what my personal convictions are? Hey guys, I just want to bring to you a special, special interview that I did a year ago, and I know it's like a throwback, but my all-time favorite person in the whole world, my therapist, Steve Hartman, who has been there with me through abusive, spiritually bad churches and dealing with narcissistic pastors, and I could not wait to get him on the show uh, for our part one that we did beforehand. If you missed that show, just go back through the earlier podcast recordings and videos to find it or listen to this one because it's going to blow you away about why narcissists are the way they are and how controlling they are to staff people and the church. And it will literally blow your mind. I hope it helps. I hope it gives you some, uh, it gives you new tools to work with and the aid of your recovering and healing from these spiritually abusive places. In particular, if you're still in them now, Steve offers some great words of advice of how to navigate these uncharted territories. So hope it helps and hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast with Brandon Dempsey. Confessions of a Worship Leader is born out of crazy and heartbreaking ministry experiences by Brandon Dempsey to help you as a worship or ministry leader. Now, it's time to confess the mess. Here's Brandon. As we talk about the narcissistic pastor, some may very well know who we're talking about in your, in your current setting. Or you may have heard the term somewhere, but you really don't know where it fits in. Uh, so let's break that down a little bit. First, ask the question, how do you know or do you know that you serve with a narcissistic pastor? Trouble begins when we take a staff job to find out that we're working with uh, Mr. Hyde, only for them to turn out to be Dr. Jekyll until it's too late. And what do you do in that situation? Do you run, flee, or try to cope or resolve? So without any other response that I have. I think the greater minds that we have is sitting right here in this chair. Returning guest, Steve Hartman. Steve Hartman is an ordained minister and a licensed professional counselor. He spent 22 years in local church ministry, serving churches in Texas and Florida. He's followed God's leading into private practice counseling there in Houston since 1997. He is owner of Bear Creek Counseling Center of Houston, Texas. He works with individuals and couples dealing with various life issues involving marital difficulty, anxiety, depression, personality disorders. His primary population are those individuals who have suffered and survived childhood sexual trauma and abuse of various forms. He does executive coaching and serves as a consultant to various pastors and attorneys. 
around Houston, Texas, and the greater nation. He holds an undergraduate degree and graduate degrees in psychology earned at Houston Baptist University. You can find him at bearcreekcounseling.com. So let's jump into today's topic to confess the mess, the narcissistic pastor with Steve Hartman. How are you doing today, Steve? Doing great, Brandon. Good to be back with you. Hey, thanks so much for coming back and not being scared. <laughs> not being scared to tell the truth, but you know that more than anybody. And uh, we had a great response to the last video. People really enjoyed it. And I just, it's, it's special. It's a great treat to have you on here because of who you mean to my family and I personally. So thank you for that. Absolutely. So when we talk about the narcissistic pastor, um, how does one identify what a narcissistic pastor is? I think we need to go back to ask the question, what is a narcissistic pastor? And then what do you look for? Uh, it may look like one thing, but it could be another. So how can people understand what it is and then learn to decipher what it is moving forward? Well, coming from the standpoint of a staff member, who is working on staff, are they working with a narcissistic pastor or not? Uh, narcissism is a personality type, and uh, they come in a, a couple of specific types as a malignant narcissist or as a covert narcissist. Malignant narcissists are a little easier to, to spot. They're pretty obnoxious and full of themselves, just to use some common terminology. Covert narcissists are a lot more just what the word implies. They're hard to see, hard to spot, but yet the agenda is basically the same. There's still that sense of grandiosity that they have. Uh, they're arrogant. They carry themselves in a way that elevates them above other people and uh, basically is, is not very fun to be around. People want to be around that person because they seem to have power and people are drawn to power. And the thing is, when people move towards that person, the more power they take on. So it's kind of this vicious cycle that gets fed by the people that are drawn to them and the people that they recruit because they will recruit people as allies in their in their mission and uh some can be oh, less obvious about it than others to put it nicely but um you know they have their inner circle that they like to work through that's what a covert narcissist does they work through other people um, some people would say oh those are the henchmen uh for that particular person they do their dirty work for them. And uh, yet the purpose is the same, to accomplish their, their own personal goals. And not in the case of the pastor, the pastor's there for the people. A covert narcissist pastor, the people are there for him. Mm. So the roles are reversed. And uh, there are some extreme examples of malignant narcissists, they're typically more in line with uh, what would be considered a, a cult leadership role. Uh, Jim Jones, to go way back into the 70s, uh, before Jonestown, uh, 
David Koresh more recently. These individuals were very grandiose. They saw themselves almost godlike. And um, so that's that's a malignant narcissist. They don't really care for the individuals. They care about the individuals being there for them. You talked about grandiose and, and people at large like Jim Jones, but what about at the local church standpoint? The local church is not really uh, experiencing quite that degree of narcissism, but the grandiosity is still there. The uh, position of pastor is is a holy position, an honored position, but it's a position of a servant. And, you know, as, as pastors, we're under rowers. We're the ones that are supposed to be pulling and being there to serve the people, equip the saints for the work of service, as it says in Ephesians 4. So, but when we are wanting the saints to be there to edify us, to glorify us, to make us look popular, to tell us how great we are, then it turns the roles around to where we're really not being a servant leader, but we're being an arrogant, grandiose person building basically a monument to ourselves through a church. And, um, and unfortunately, that's happened over and over. Most uh, narcissistic pastors don't last very long. They move around to end up being some other place where they can start over again. Mm. And um, that's, and some of them don't stay in the ministry. Some of them end up outside because people catch on to what's going on. Mm. They, they accomplish their own undermining. And uh, that's unfortunate because there's a lot of people that get hurt along, along the way. A lot of staff members that get hurt along the way because they're not in a position to really make a difference because if it doesn't fall in line with a narcissistic pastor, then he's going to remove them. And it's typically not a very pleasant thing. The one thing that's different between a narcissistic pastor and a confident pastor who is really strong in his in his beliefs and his vision and everything is that covert narcissist pastors aren't teachable a pastor who is strong in his convictions strong in his leadership and is there for the people is always teachable he wants to know more he wants to be able to find out more about the hearts of the people, but that doesn't mean that he's being led around. He's still the pastor and he still has a shepherd's heart to want to meet the needs of the people. A narcissistic pastor wants the people to meet the needs of him. Mm. So you can kind of look at it from the standpoint of which direction is the intention going? Is it going pastor to people or is it people to pastor. You're listening to the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast with Brandon Dempsey. Subscribe to the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 
Follow Confessions of a Worship Leader on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, and YouTube. So what I want to know is, and when a person becomes narcissistic, that is dangerous itself. So how part one is, how does someone become narcissistic? Number two, why is it so dangerous when pastors fall victim to that? Well, there's a couple of schools of thought on personality. Narcissism is a type of personality. And my particular school of thought on it is that it's a combination of what you're born with and how you're raised, nature and nurture. It's not nature versus nurture, but it's nature and nurture. So typically in the family of origin, the narcissistic individual is going to be, first of all, having the genetic composition to have that type of personality. Now, how they're raised, the environment they're raised in is what either cultivates that in a very negative way, which is typically it's going to be a resemble the parenting that goes on in the home. And so if they're a covert narcissist in the home, they're going to be a covert narcissist as they grow up. And so how the nurturing is a part of that. So it's through mirroring. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of uh, actually role modeling. You know, they, what they see is what they do. They learn it by behaviorally. And, um, but there's still that genetic aspect that, you know, they they have who they are from their parents. You know, that's how any of us are. We are who we are from our parents. How we're raised determines how that is influenced. And so people that have uh, very positive, uplifting, encouraging, safe kind of environment that they grow up in, they're typically happy, well-adjusted people. But individuals that grow up in very toxic environments, you can define that in multiple ways, they typically aren't very healthy. And and when it comes to a narcissist, they're in a toxic environment. It's only going to cultivate, nurture that attitude of, of narcissism. And, you know, they'll be the the golden child they'll everything is for them and about them there's a catering and that says well this is for you you you're special but there's also typically a modeling between uh the parents that shows where one is um, very condescending to the other uh, you know you're fortunate to be my spouse you're fortunate to be breathing the same air that I'm breathing right now. You know, I'm so much better. I'm giving you the blessing of being with me. And the other is feeling like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. You know? (laughs) So there's this very toxic relationship that that's highly dysfunctional. This is witnessed by the child or children. And so therefore it's emulated in the environment and so the one child the child learns by watching the dynamics between the parents says okay 
this is how fathers are supposed to be. This is how mothers are supposed to be. And I need to make sure that I find someone that fits that bill. And they end up perpetuating uh, the problem when when that happens. So it's it's not like, you know, you catch it from somebody. It's something that you're born with, and then it's cultivated as you grow up. So take us deeper here. Many pastors, as you said, uh, it's all about them, their power, the mark that they want to leave. Ambitions can range also from they want to have the greatest, biggest church or the biggest platform or say the greatest things, whatever it may be. But what is the ultimate goal deep inside the heart of a narcissist, whether it's a pastor or any kind of ministry leader for that matter? Is, it, is there some kind of resolve that they're seeking? And what, what do you think that would be? And it's not, I know it's not one thing. It would vary from person to person. But what is it that they're trying to seize themselves? Well, the characteristics of narcissism is that they're very empty, insecure people. And so they're always seeking a need to be loved and accepted, which gives them a sense of security. You know, it's that fear of abandonment. It's that fear of not being good enough. It's the, I've got to prove myself. And then when they get a foothold and being able to do some of these things, they're able to just build on that. I mentioned earlier about having alliances. Well, those alliances are to surround yourself with people that will do your bidding so that it continues to build you up. It props you up. And when you're, uh, as a narcissist, uh, they're insecure about their position, so they need people to, you know, be a smokescreen for them, uh, be promoters, and uh, just be front people that says, look, look, look. And then the narcissist comes in and says, look, look, look. And here are the individuals that are bearing uh, witness to what I'm telling you. So... It, it's a like I said, I use the term smokescreen, which is to cover. It's covering. It's covering the weaknesses. It's covering the insecurities. And the more insecure a person is, the more grandiose they have to appear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's something that's not a planned behavior. It's really a survival mechanism for a narcissist. They have to do it to survive. The worst thing that can happen is for people to not pay attention to a narcissist. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. So um, in some way, I could I could see that there is a level of empathy that we could have for those that are narcissists. But it's only because that inside they're insecure and they're maybe just an emotional wreck. So there's one heart side, I think, that can be seen of us, you know, giving them benefit of the doubt or uh, maybe not that, but just having some sort of uh, compassion. But yet it doesn't explain the behavior that they've done, because a lot of people, as you know, have been really hurt by abusive power seeking pastors. And those many of those have left the ministry. They left the church. Um, I myself included have been affected by that. So uh, how does one grapple 
with a pastor who has been spiritually abusive, uh, narcissistic to them, and had inflicted emotional wounds? Well, this is kind of a a backdoor compliment, so to speak, to the one that's been injured. Typically, when a narcissistic pastor runs off a staff member, it's because that pastor is feeling threatened by that staff member, Hmm. threatened by the gifts and talents that God has given that staff member. And, you know, a wise pastor always surrounds himself with the best people they can find. They don't necessarily surround themselves with a bunch of yes men. A narcissistic pastor is going to surround himself with yes men. And that way he's got that that alliance around him that protects him. But like I said earlier, a strong pastor, a servant pastor uh, leads, but is also teachable. Narcissists are not teachable. They don't have problems. Just ask them. They'll tell you there's nothing wrong with me. You know, there may be something wrong with you. Or if they're seen doing something incorrect or wrong about something, it'll be somebody else's fault. And in the church, unfortunately, that gets passed down to a staff member somewhere. Well, we need to take care of that staff member and move them along. You know, let's do it quietly. You know, it's going to come off looking like they're very empathetic towards that staff member, but we've got to just help them ease out so that they're not hurt. Mm. But behind the scenes, they're damaging them. Yeah. But it's because the narcissistic pastor is threatened by the abilities, the gifts, the leadership, the relationship that that staff member has with the church family. There's just a lot of reasons that that pastor feels threatened. The senior pastor will feel threatened. But that's the mark of narcissism is their insecurity. Mm. And they're constantly seeking to fill that need of being secure. That's why the grandiosity, if I build a bigger building, if I build a bigger ministry, if I have all kinds of uh, markers around that carry my name, you know, the, the, that means they're, I'm more important. Look at how important I am. And uh, unfortunately, that tells on itself. You'll see others that will, they, they're very humble individuals. They're enjoying the blessing of, of other gifted individuals and ministers. They will promote them. They will bring them into the uh, spotlight, so to, so to speak, because narcissistic pastors don't like to share the spotlight. Everybody else is behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they expect to be promoted. But yet a, a pastor that that loves his staff, loves his church, is always promoting church members, staff members, sharing, you know, having others lead out. Don't have to be in the spotlight all the time. They will say, I've invited so-and-so to come and be a part of this. Let's worship with them today. And and we'll actually be taught, be in a 
disciple position instead of being the discipler. And so these kinds of uh, pastors are great leaders, and we have a lot of them around. And fortunately, we're blessed to have some here in Houston the same way. But we also have some here in Houston that are narcissists. Mm-hmm. And, and that's unfortunate. Some of them have reached a place even recently where they've fallen. And uh, that's when their power became more important to them than their love of service. And we've had some pastors here in Houston that have recently lost their their positions because of being too full of themselves, thinking that they were above the rules and that they could get away with things that nobody's supposed to do. So it's unfortunate when these things happen, but those are some real markers of what it looks like when narcissism plays itself out and has consequential ends. So it, it's not a, not a pretty sight for them either. Hey folks, just a quick break here. Did you know that most of our podcasts recorded are also simulcasted on video, ready for you to watch on our YouTube channel? Visit YouTube and search Confessions of a Worship Leader. Now, back to our episode. So, two questions about healing for those who have been in, in under control or under the leadership of a narcissistic pastor. What do you say to those that are maybe still in that environment and they're still having to serve with the same narcissistic pastor of that church? What do you say for others who also need to heal that are not a part of the church any longer? Well, let me take the second one first. Sure. Get back in the church. If God called you, God's the only one that can rescind a call. And you want to be faithful to your call. And now if, if you're went into ministry because that's what, you know, God said, no, I don't really want you to do that. But you said, but I want to do it. You kind of put yourself there because it's what you really want to do. If God didn't call you, that's one thing. But if God calls you, get back in ministry in some form. Because there you can be hurt to a place to where you're not able to come back in to, say, a local church uh, ministry level. But there are many forms of ministry to where you can fulfill your call. It's just a matter of pursuing that. Mm-hmm. Then... You know, you've got others that, that I would say, you know, you may not feel good about entering back into ministry as such, but don't stay out of the church. You know, it's, it's our responsibility as believers to join together to reinforce one another. We're a part of being a part of the healing for each other and to be able to find another way to be faithful as believers in worshiping God, serving Christ, and sharing the gospel. That can be done in many venues. And so if we're doing that, we're still being faithful in in what we're to do. Now, for the individuals that are serving under a narcissistic pastor, you know, I can only tell you 
from my experience and, and what I chose. You know, I've had two experiences where I was serving with narcissistic pastors. And in the beginning, it was not easy to realize that that's what my situation was because they narcissists make very good first impressions. And, uh, but when you're around them long enough, basically like if you are living with them and in staff positions, you kind of feel that way, then you begin to notice you can see behind the curtain. Mm. And when that begins to happen, you're kind of noticing, Hmm, this isn't quite what I thought it was in the beginning. And you're evaluating, am I in alignment with the senior pastor with what he sees as the vision of this church and what my personal convictions are? Now, that's that's where I had to come to grips with, okay, can I wholeheartedly feel like I'm doing God's will and following the vision that this pastor has? And a couple of times that changed because I saw that as this, this isn't healthy. This isn't healthy at all. And so I prayed about it and asked God to open a door and, and to give me the opportunity to serve him in another field and another church field where I could be with a pastor that would be the, the leader I could follow. I have no problem being number two. Not at all. And uh, there have been times I've been in the number one position on an interim basis, but I, I like following a, a loving pastor, being a partner with them and doing the things that we can do to, like I said, equip the saints for the work of service. Yeah. That's, that's the most enjoyable thing I've, I've experienced in many of the churches I've served in. So, and I still have contacts with people that I served. If they're still alive, you know, then some of my earliest churches that I've been in. So it's, it's a, a joy to do that. But that really plays out through the leadership and the pastor is the leader that brings the vision to the church. Mm-hmm. And if you can't follow him, what I did was pray for God to open up another way, another another church, and God saw fit to to handle that. Mm. So that's you know just wanting to do God's will wherever you are. You know you don't want to fight against a, a narcissistic pastor because you'll lose. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is ask God to deliver you to a, to another place. That was my right. prayer. Okay. Right. I can't give that to everyone, but that was my right. prayer. Right. And that, that was mine, too, as you well know. And uh, those prayers, wow, uh, they are heavy. Uh, they are hard. But in some way, um, for me, I have found a lot of consolation, um, a lot of consoling that God has done. So uh, the words that you share are just tried and true. Uh, so I want to ask you this is. Um, as we kind of wrap up, tell us, you know, um, you told us in the last 
time that we had you about your story of uh, personal experience in ministry. But what about you personally? Like, you know, tell us what's your story, your background, um, you know, where you came from, from your family and. Well, you know, I'm, I grew up in West Texas, you know, I'm, I'm Texas through and through, but, um, you know, I came to the Lord at the age of 16 through some, a youth group, youth choir, and uh, two fellows that are still in ministry that were a couple of years older than me. They were in college freshmen, and I was a high school junior. Mm. And uh, it was just one of those things. They took me and loved me. One of those fellows is still here in Houston, and the other is in Colorado, and they're doing ministry that uh, is pretty cool. But we're all still following the call. And, you know, as I, I grew and continued to go, I surrendered the ministry in 1971. Uh, started serving churches in 73. ordained in 77. And the rest, they say, is history. I went through uh, a variety. My first pastor was the one God gave me. To show me what a loving servant leader is, pastor, shepherding pastor, godly man is supposed to be. Had I not had him as my first pastor, the second one would have run me. Yeah. Because the second one was my first narcissistic pastor. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and he always wanted to tell me what I needed to do and how I needed to do it. The interesting thing was how he kept promoting himself and saying how one day he was going to be the pastor of a certain church, which was a very, I don't want to say, it was a big church, and that was going to be his claim to fame, was to be the pastor of that church. He never was. And uh, but that was self-promotion that he had and the fact that it was important for him to tell me how I needed to do this, that and the other thing. So it was it it was he was so narcissistic. He had his wife change her name to sound like his first name. Are you kidding? Oh, my goodness. No, I am not. I am not. There was one letter difference. And wow. their names. Wow. So he's so, to be. And, and then, my, you know, I had some other good pastors. That, but the second narcissistic pastor was, I mean, he, he was a malignant narcissist. And, um, you know, it was it was painful. Very, very painful. Yeah. But when I when I left that church, I was called to a, a church. That was a real sweet healing church. The people and the pastor, you know, really loved that pastor. And he was he was there. He was a great partner. We did great ministry together. We had great fun together. And he was supportive of, of me and the things I was doing. And I was supportive of him. 
And it was it's easy to do that yeah. when you see a pastor who loves. Yeah. Well, and it, it made a big difference in my healing process. And you share that out with the people that you meet with daily. Uh, I can see the way that you bless my life and my family and you bless so many other people, Steve, by your story and how God has worked through you and all the victories and, and even especially the defeats that we've encountered. God has always engineered those things for good. And it's just awesome to see you at work, how God works through you. Um, so thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Yeah. I hope it's helpful. Very. In fact, I want to have you back for part three as we talk about victims, those who have survived, and how can they continue that path, especially those who've been hurt, but maybe they those haven't been able to take a step forward. I want to have you back for that, Steve. I think that'd be good. Uh, so, okay. Awesome. So for today, guys, uh, that's our confession. And yours today, special guest in the booth, Steve Hartman. You can find him at bearcreekcounseling.com. Please check him out. And they also have online services as well. If you should need help to speak to somebody where Steve can meet you as well, he's always available. Until then, guys, uh, we thank you for being with us here in Confessions of a Worship Leader. Remember, no story is too crazy, no heartbreak is too much for God to handle. This is the podcast where your story matters and it's worth confessing. And if you'd like to share your experience or anything you'd like for me to introduce on the show, hit me up. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon Dempsey, B-R-A-N-O-N-D-E-M-P-S-E-Y. Be sure to look out for the new shows coming up. Special guests, you'll be notified when those episodes drop, when you subscribe to the Confessions of Worship Leader podcast. Until then, next time. I'm Brandon Dempsey. Thanks for joining us here on Confessions of a Worship Leader. Remember, no story is too crazy. No heartbreak is too much for God to handle. Got a comment, idea, or something to share? DM us on Instagram at Confessions of a Worship Leader or text us at 832-974-0277. If you like this podcast, we ask that you give us a high review and comment on iTunes. This has been a Worship Team Training digital production. Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast. Copyright 2022. Thanks for listening. And be sure to join us again right here on the Confessions of a Worship Leader podcast.